Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school, you're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi there, welcome to Kitchen Prescription, the podcast you listen to when you don't know what to make for dinner. How is everybody doing this week? I don't know about you, but I am thrilled to be welcoming a new month. I don't think I've ever been so excited to see the calendar flip from January to February. I'm genuinely jazzed to watch the month unfold and feeling like 2022 can only go up from here. We've got Valentine's Day to look forward to and hopefully a full month of kids in school and resuming routines. And if you have school-aged kids, you know what I'm talking about because it's been really hard to get past the holidays and not have this regular school routine. So fingers crossed for that. For Valentine's Day, our family has a few fun family food traditions like pulling out our mini heart waffle maker. You know the ones I'm talking about. You can see them at Target, all over the place. They're made by Dash. They're maybe $15, and they really are so much fun. My kids really look forward to it. So we pulled that out. We'll be using that all month. And then my kids also really love to make conversation heart rice crispy treats with these kind of edible googly eyes I get. And we do different colors, and that's always really fun. So those are two things we always do. And another thing that we do frequently is we stay in for Valentine's Day as well. And by we, I mean me and my husband. I kind of like cooking at home on this holiday, given that it can be really tough to get a restaurant reservation, a babysitter, and prices, you know, are inflated. And half the time it's a set menu and you're not interested in everything on the menu. So I like to stay in. And when we stay in, I like to make steak. When I first got married almost 14 years ago to my husband, Robbie, I remember early on suggesting that we should make steak for dinner. And his response was, steak is a restaurant food. He could not imagine the idea that we would make steak at home instead of going to a restaurant to eat it. It just wasn't something that he had grown up doing a lot. And I was like, okay, challenge accepted. I am ready to prove you wrong that we can make delicious steak at home. And I took the challenge very seriously. And as a result, we do have steak at home. I wouldn't say it's frequent, more of a special occasion thing. But when we do, it is delicious. And I really, really look forward to it. Whether you end up grilling a steak on the grill or searing a steak on your cast iron skillet and then, you know, finishing it off in a smoking hot oven, Delicious steak can certainly be achieved at home. I personally can't recommend Costco steaks enough. My mom taught me this. And I know this is somewhat predictable, 
but I'm supposed to tell you that I love a ribeye because of the marbling of the fat and the flavor, yada, yada. But the honest truth is, at the end of the day, I love a petite filet. I'm never disappointed with a filet. And Costco sells the best filets. They come four in a pack usually, and they are so good. Oh, I'm salivating just thinking about it. I cannot wait to make this for Valentine's Day this year. So if you are going to make steak at home and you don't do it often, I highly recommend getting meat at Costco. You can get great meat other places, but that just happens to be a surefire go-to for me. And when I prepare steak, I really like doing it in a cast iron skillet. That is my preferred method. Simple seasonings, kosher salt, cracked black pepper, pat of butter on the top that just kind of seeps in. Oh, it's so, so, so good. Keep an eye out on Instagram this week because I'm going to break down the whole process for you about how to cook the perfect steak at home. And um, I'm clearly really looking forward to it. Valentine's Day is still a week or two away, and you likely have a lot of dinners to put on the table before you get to your special occasion dinner. So let's discuss some recipe ideas for the upcoming week. First, that recipe not required. We're going to make apple, bacon, cheddar sandwiches, also known as a grown-up grilled cheese. This is a delicious grilled cheese sandwich that is just slightly elevated with a few extra ingredients. So I like having a little whole grain mustard on there, tart apple like a Granny Smith thinly sliced, crisp bacon, and some cheddar sandwiched in between two toasted pieces of bread is heaven. It is delicious, so, so, so good. And what's great about this is that, well, first of all, I just think that we should admit that we are in prime time for grilled cheese sandwich making. We are in the dead of winter. You may be a little, you know, tired of soups, stews, chilies. Whoever tires of a grilled cheese sandwich, right? But this one, this one is super, super good. And it's awesome to deconstruct for my kids because I can make regular grilled cheese sandwiches, have the sliced apples and the crisp bacon separate on their plates, of course, and everyone's happy. So this is a great wintertime meal that can be so simple to pull together. Next, a creamy tortellini soup. This one, now listen, if you're in Recipe Club and you made our skillet tortellini from January and you liked it, you have to make this recipe because it is super delicious, similar flavor profile, but yet it comes in a hearty soup. And what's great about this is that it has some sweet Italian sausage in it. It has some spinach in it, really like good body and flavor. And if you happen to have a partner or live with someone who rolls their eyes when you say that we're having soup for dinner, you're going to prove them wrong with this recipe because this is hearty. It is, not only does it have the protein, it has the filled pasta in there. It really is so good, especially with some crusty bread and a crisp side salad. This is a great weeknight meal. Super, super easy to make. Typically when I make this, I'll do a double batch and freeze some because it's just one that I know everybody loves. It's a hit. So you can check out both of those recipes on my website, kelseynixon.com. And for our third recipe, I'm very excited. I have a big smile on my face because it is our first recipe that we're sharing from Recipe Club in February. And it's amazing. Sheet pan glazed balsamic chicken with roasted veggies. I know how much you guys love the sheet pan recipes. And this one not only tastes amazing, but it looks beautiful. You could use chicken breasts or chicken thighs. I tested it with both. The veggies are uh, diced sweet potato, some Brussels sprouts, 
a red onion and an apple, a little sweetness in there. And then you make almost like a vinaigrette or a sauce initially that you drizzle over the chicken and veggies. And you reserve just a little bit that while the sheet pan is in the oven roasting away, you reduce it on the stovetop and you get like this really yummy balsamic glaze. And just as the chicken comes out, you spread that glaze over the top and it is like restaurant quality. Restaurant quality in 25 minutes. Such a good recipe. So if you want to get your hands on that, make sure you're in Recipe Club. We have such a good time, and the recipes this month are amazing. All right, there are your recipes for the week. Now let's get into the kitchen prescription portion of the podcast. I can't wait to introduce you all to my kitchen prescription guest today. She is our guest contributor for the month of February in Recipe Club, meaning that she's contributed a signature recipe to our February lineup of recipes that is so good. Many of you know her as Female Foodie, where she got her start doing restaurant guides that have now grown into the hundreds with contributors all over the country. And she's got an awesome app that breaks it all down, which is amazing. I love it. I'm obsessed with her restaurant-inspired recipes and can't wait to chat with her about how having kids has changed her weekly routine of reviewing multiple restaurants to cooking at home a bit more often. She's one of my favorite follows on Instagram, and our guest today is Brooke Elison. Brooke, welcome to the Kitchen Prescription Podcast. Thank you, Kelsey. I'm so, so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have Brooke. This is Brooke Elison, and she is incredible. You may know her as Female Foodie. That is how I first heard about Brooke. And I first started following you, um, as probably many people did, because of your restaurant reviews. And it is just blown up all over the, the country. You started reviewing restaurants kind of in the Mountain West, and now you're everywhere, right? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I started in Salt Lake. That's where I'm from. And did a lot of restaurant guides there just as a way to share my favorite restaurants. And then after I got married, my husband, who's way more forthright in terms of like scaling and building a business said, you need to, you know, find people that love food like you do. So now we cover different cities. Um, So yeah, that's kind of where it all started. That's so awesome. And I remember even falling more in love with your account um, right when COVID hit, you started doing kind of like restaurant recipes, right? Like these copycat recipes from restaurants or trying to mimic great meals you had. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So um, once the pandemic hit, it was not a, an okay thing to go out and be eating out. What can we do? What can't we do? And my mom, which moms always have the best ideas, she said, you should share special recipes from restaurants with your readers. And so I started to do that. I did one. Oh my goodness. I can't even believe this now. I did one every single day. And they were kind of a mixture of like chefs sharing recipes with me or me just kind of creating recipes um, inspired by restaurants, which is a lot more of what we do now. But I just have to say before we get too far into this, that I have been a huge fan of yours for a long time. And my sister well, you guys studied broadcast journalism together. I don't know if you were in the same cohort or not, but um, we were, we were same, okay. same year and everything. Well, when I was in high school about to graduate for Christmas one year, she gave me your DVD cooking oh series. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I feel like super honored to be here because I'm, a, I'm like one of the OG fans of Kelsey's, Kelsey's is, Kitchen. This is hilarious. <laughs> so for people listening who don't know, 
way back when, when I started my college cooking show called Kelsey's Kitchen, I was in, in an entrepreneurship class at the same time. And as part of this entrepreneurship class, you had to create a product and sell a product. And so I convinced my my group in my class, let's make this interactive cookbook DVD. And we made these, these silly, oh, it's so embarrassing. I hope you don't still own it. Or if you do, you go back, you will get a laugh because it was so, it was so bad, but it also was awesome that I, that I went out and did it. So, and then Corinne, um, who is amazing, also a content creator and so wonderful mint arrow. And she's lovely. Um, she was, she took an elective to work on the Kelsey's kitchen cooking show. And so, okay. Okay. I think at Christmas time, we were like, we've got all these extra DVDs. Can you guys just give these to your families? Well, I was the lucky recipient of one. And I, I honestly think I still might have it to this oh my day. Gosh. I might have to so dig fun. it out. And just so fun. I just had to throw that in as we're talking about beginnings. I'm like, yeah. I don't even know if you know this. Like I, <laughs> I was the proud owner of one of those. So that is so funny. And you you mentioned your mom as well. Um, Brooke's mom is a bountiful kitchen who is another massive food creator and just creates most wonderful down home family centric recipes. And so you come from this really unique family in that regard where you you're surrounded by content creators and people putting really good stuff out into the world. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. My, I mean, my mom is definitely moms are the heart of the home. A lot of times. And my mom certainly was, she was the ultimate homemaker in every sense, but particularly in the kitchen. So we did, you know, you know, some nights we'd have big fancy dinners, others more so casual, but we did sit down for dinner almost every night, which is a tradition I've carried on. I know you're big on that too, with your family, like just whatever it is, sitting down, having a meal together. Um, so a lot of my passion comes from food for sure from her. And then it's, it is unique. My, both my sister and my mom and I were all content creators, but it's, it's been such a blessing. It's so nice to share that camaraderie. And there are just things that you don't know, unless you're in that space. I'm so lucky. My, my sounding boards and my mentors are also my mom and sister. Oh, that's so amazing. So Brooke, another time that I really have followed you for years, just you have had such a cool story um, because you also lived on the road for a while with a young, one of your kids, right? How old was your son when you guys did that? What happened is we were in Austin and we decided that we weren't going to stay. And so we were like, okay, are we going to renew our lease here? Are we going to leave? And we decided we're going to leave. And I actually had kind of had this idea at one point, but my husband brought the idea to me, like, what if we travel? And at this point it was, I want to say about August or September. So he said, let's do it through the end of the year and just see how we feel. And then we can like figure out what we're doing because both my husband and I have worked remote for a long time. We started off our first month was Montana, which I love Montana. I'm a huge fan of Montana. So we started in Montana. We worked our way over to the Northwest um, which is actually where we live right now. We, we, we went to all over, you know, Arizona. We even went over to Europe for the summer. So we just would basically like rent Airbnbs for a whole month at a time and just make it our home. And we did have our son. A lot of the reason we did that was for the food to, you know, create content for female foodie and experience all these different cultures. But it was also such a meaningful family experience. You know, he learned to walk, um, when we were in Italy, he tried all his first foods in all these different places. And so was it challenging? Yeah, it was, it was, there were parts that were hard, but also like 
that was a really special time for our family. And it's kind of fun. You know, I have a, another son now that just turned one and it's a little different because, you know, we've been in a home and I love it. I love the stability. There's a lot that I really appreciate about it, but with my first son, a lot of his milestones, I associate with like, Oh, well, we were in this place or of course. So yeah, it was a really unique experience and um, just really cool to like, I think there's something to say about spending time in a place for more than a few days. And I hope that as more people like are working remotely, that they will have those opportunities to just pick up and go somewhere that like they love or sounds magical to them, you know? Right. My husband and I lived in New York city for the better part of a decade and we had our son Oliver there and we were there until he was almost five. And so when and people would say to me, how did you do that? How did you lug that stroller up and down the subway stairs? Or, um, And we had the best time. And I'm so glad that you mentioned this, this idea of family dinner. And I think that when we say family dinner in my mind, we immediately go to that dinner table and, you know, everyone at the place that it, but that to me, family dinner really is just gathering around food and breaking bread with the people that you love most. And whether that's in Central Park or Piazza in Rome, like that, it can look so many different ways. And quite frankly, I hope that people do kind of break the mold of of what this idea is of what family dinner is, because I can only imagine the memories that you created as a family surrounding food as you guys were traveling around. It was a lot of times pretty unglamorous because to stay in like a city like Rome for a month, it's expensive. And so, you know, that little kitchen table we had was pretty humble, right? But it was still, I mean, just to like be eating the food and sitting down and, you know, having that ritual. I think that's the practice of having it be a ritual is so powerful. And as you're aware, I'm sure there's so much research around this talks about, you know, um, children being successful. And I think what it comes down to though is feeling safe, feeling secure, but also like having a place where we're kind of all equals, where we're all doing the same thing, we're all eating. I mean, even my one-year-old, I can see that he has that sense of, mom and dad and my big brother are eating too. So I'm right. here being a part of it. It's incredible. You know, Michael Pollan, who I'm sure you're aware of an amazing food writer. He has this quote that I think about often and he talks about, um, democracy at the dinner table and about how the dinner table is where we teach our kids how to agree and disagree with one another, how to have conversation. And just like you said, that equality of like, we're all sitting down, we're all giving each other this attention. And even if it's chaotic, because my table's still chaotic, and I'm sure your yes. table's chaotic, chaotic with yes. your boys. It's just prioritizing the ritual. I think it doesn't matter what culture you come from, your background, where you live. I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who wouldn't agree on the massive benefit from having the ritual of family dinner. So what's interesting to me um, about you, Brooke, looking from the outside in is it seems like you started kind of building this brand and business on this idea of eating out at fabulous restaurants and reviewing all these restaurants. And you guys must check out her website, Female Foodie, where she's got restaurant reviews from and guides from all over the country. But I feel like in the past year or two, I've really seen you transition to doing a lot more cooking content. And so I'm really curious, has that shifted a bit more as you've had kids or as you've been settled in a home? Are you cooking more than you used to? And what does that look like in your house? Totally. So I think Yeah, it has definitely come with growing a family. I'm super 
willing to take one kid out to eat. And when it's two and it's just me, I've done it. And I'm, <laughs> I have, I have to be like really excited about a restaurant, but it's way harder. It's yes. way harder. To, and I think there will just be different seasons mm-hmm. in parenting where I'm like, okay, we, we can totally go to this place right now. It's a little challenging because I've got yeah. a one-year-old and a three-year-old and I, and I, I have two kids. There are many people out there that have three, four, multiple children that it's like without, especially without a partner to help you there, it's hard. So um, yes, lifestyle wise, I still love eating out, but like, for example, tonight we're going on a date night, we have a sitter, but also I feel like the pandemic just really kind of re-sparked this, this understanding of how much we need food and how much it is a, an expression of like who we are. And it's, it, it's, it's also like such a simple but oftentimes lost way to express to our families that we love them and care about them. And so I feel like for me personally, it's kind of both those things. Like my family has changed. um, And also kind of that crazy year of 2020 really kind of reinvigorating like, Oh yeah. Like being in the kitchen is so important. And then also I just really have enjoyed like finding ways for more of my readers to be a part of my community. And so even though like, we have our writers working on a lot of really specific content that I know is going to help so many people. It's also really fun to share a recipe for this, this pasta recipe that I love that literally anyone can make. So that's kind of, of how it's evolved. That's great. And then, you know, I agree with you. I think um, one of the reasons I feel so passionate about the family dinner table is that after going through a really rough chapter of life, I ended up finding so much healing at the dinner table. And I don't mean to overcomplicate that or make that overly serious, but eating dinner, we all have to eat dinner and we're all going to have to eat dinner. This is not anything that's ever going away. And if you are in a chapter of life where you are raising a family or you are building a life with someone, chances are you guys are going to keep eating. And if it's something that you find that you dread, I have been there, but I'm convinced just about anybody can kind of fall in love with this idea of feeding their family, but it takes some effort. It takes some effort to get there. And I think the pandemic has kind of forced us a little bit to get back in and be like, okay, I got to do this over and over again. What is it that I love about it? So I'd love to know from your perspective, when it comes to your specific kitchen, we want to walk in Brooke's kitchen. So is it an organized space? Are you more of a creative cook where there's, uh, tell me what your kitchen looks like and how you have it set up and, and kind of some of your systems there. So we just moved into our first home in July. So I feel like a lot of it is evolving and I've tried to really, you know, I obviously want my kitchen to be functioning very well and I want it to flow but I've also had to make a lot of space for okay I don't like the way this fits or this feels so I think in all things being able to change it's just it's okay it's not the end of the world if like this pantry needs to be shifted around but my kitchen is very practical and I am I am kind of a minimalist I'm not a minimalist with food I I'm not the person that cooks the same things over and over or eats at the same place but in terms of like my home, the things I wear, I'm a minimalist. And so in terms of like how it's organized, if I don't use something, I get rid of it. If I, you know, even in terms of like, I'm photographing the food I use, um, gosh, would I love to like have a studio one day? Yeah, but I don't have that. So like, if I'm buying a prop for my kitchen, I also am going to be using it too. I'm a minimalist in my fridge. Like 
if I have an ingredient in there that I, if I have, I don't want to, you know, um, I'm not a fan of food waste. So if I'm going to use it, yes. Like let's keep it, let's freeze it. Like how can we use it? But if I have like a bag of stale chips in the back of my cupboard that I know my husband hates, my kids aren't going to eat, I get rid of it, you know? So, and, and that, you know, that frees up space, frees up mental clutter. A lot of the organization I do is similar to how my mom did it. You know, sure. we learn our best tricks from our mom. So we, I have bins for main ingredients. I don't know if you do this too. Oh yeah. But oh, my like... fridge is full of bins. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of bins, never too many bins. And oh. it's funny as you talk about your refrigerator, I actually want my refrigerator by Thursday night. I I kind of want it to start looking sparse. And in some ways that's the cue to me that I got to think about what I'm cooking next. And I, I don't know. I think that that's not the case for everybody always, but a full refrigerator signals to me that we got a problem here. We are overwhelmed by decision fatigue. There's too much in there because when I start to meal plan, the first place I go is to my fridge and pantry and be like, what needs to be used up next week? And I think that's such a great dinner muscle to build for people. If you can train your brain to do that, I think you're going to feel a lot more confident in the kitchen. And it sounds like that's something you do where it's like, if, if this leftover is not getting eaten, like we got to get it out of here. We got it. We got to free up the space for what's actually going to get eaten. Get it, get it out of there. If it's a leftover that's not getting eaten, throw it away. Or if it's, I have this all the time. And this is actually a problem I have that I don't know that most people struggle with. I really struggle to eat the same thing over and over. Yeah. And I think as a recipe developer, especially, it can get old when you're like, I want to make this perfect. But I'm, I don't want to eat this dish for the fifth time. And so I think sometimes we just want to throw it away, but it's like, just put it, just put it in a Tupperware and freeze it. And in about three weeks, you're going to be so happy. happy. You did it. Yes. Cause it's, it's delicious. It's just in that week that you're like, I'm kind of sick of this. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Just the other thing, you know, in terms of organization is just keeping the things that you use often accessible for me. You know, I have a jar of kosher salt always it has a lid but it's always on my counter I oh, always yeah. have extra virgin olive oil. I always have this little container of butter I have my seasonings my chef's knife is literally the most you know it's in a drawer that's the most accessible to me and so I think especially for people that are wanting to become more comfortable in the kitchen or that maybe just don't feel organized I think just like having all those things there like if you have a cutting board that you just love either keep it on your counter don't put it somewhere under like pull it out yes don't do that so that's that's kind of what it feels like in my kitchen I totally I love that and I I agree that there you know my first show that I did with cooking channel was Kelsey's essentials and that was kind of the premise of the show is that it's the same problem I had with getting dressed at one point in my life there were too many options and so I hated getting dressed and like that was a stressful thing to me and I think that in the kitchen it can be very tempting and easy for things to get overwhelming like get your knife, get your cutting board. I'm such a fan. I've always got my pepper grinder, my kosher salt, my olive oil, everything right there. And if you can really set up a system where you, you feel confident in those things and they're at reach, cooking becomes so much more enjoyable. So much more because those are, I mean, we've all been there. I think about Airbnbs, but we've all been there when we're like, I I don't have a good knife. And then how enjoyable is it to chop vegetables? It's like the worst thing in the world or when you don't have seasoning accessible Mm -hmm. or I mean cutting on a bad cutting board going back to minimalism I think it's a really 
good thing to just not be afraid of investing in like one great cutting board, yep. one great knife. Don't get something that you find at TJ Maxx just because it's on sale. Maybe nope. there's a good thing you can find. And if you find a really great cutting board knife there, get it. But like, you don't need a lot. You just need like, buy a good wood block cutting board, buy a good knife, buy a paring knife too. Yep. And there's obviously a lot of other things I love to use. Yeah. I use three knives. I use a, a chef's knife. I use a serrated knife for tomatoes and bread. And I use a paring knife. And that is it. I don't own. I do, Well, I have other knives, which really I should just get rid of after this conversation. But I don't use I have anything some too. else. <laughs> I, I have ones that I need to get rid of because, you know, all they do is they clutter up my knife yes. and I don't use them. Okay. Well, speaking of knives and equipment, because I think another thing for people who are hoping to become more confident in the kitchen, sometimes it takes getting the right gear or outfitting your kitchen with the right things. So I have um, recently been talking about this, this brazier that I'm obsessed with. It's like changing my life in my kitchen. Is there any tools in your kitchen that you just cannot live without that might be surprising to us? There's some that are going to be obvious, but is there anything that you're like, oh, I love this in my kitchen? Uh, I mean, uh, there are honestly, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like if there's anything that you wouldn't be using that I have, I live and die by the, um, the immersion blender. I should utilize it more, but I, I just love it because it's, it's such an easy way to, to blend things. Um, I, I cook a ton with tomatoes and my favorite are those San Marzano tomatoes that are whole peeled tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And so, I honestly like will drain a little bit of the juice or put it in a separate container and I don't even dirty another dish. I put that immersion blender right in the can. Yeah. And cause a lot of times, like there are times and places to use your whole blender, but a lot of times it's just so much easier or when you're making a I soup or, you know, totally agree. I use this. So the one I use is because people ask me about it. It's the brawn multi-quick and it's got the immersion head. And then it also has like almost like a mini prep bowl. That's like a miniature food processor that you can attach to it. Yeah. And it's got um, a whisk. So it can be like a hand mixer, a, an immersion blender and a food processor all in one. And I hardly use those other, I hardly ever pull out my huge food processor. I hardly ever pull out um, my Vitamix anymore, like, cause I'm using that for so much. So I actually think that's a great recommendation. Um, and I'll put it in the show notes, the one that I love, because I, that is something I use a lot. All the time, all the time. The other thing that comes to my mind that I just feel like people don't have this in their kitchen as much as they should is a microplane zester. Yes. Like how on earth would I do all the things I do without a microplane zester? I finally grate yeah. my Parmigiano Reggiano. I grate lemon zest. I use it for um, garlic. I mean, I just, I have two. I finally bought two because I had so many times needed it twice in a recipe where it, you know, for whatever reason, I, I, I don't yeah. want to like clean the one I have. Right. Anyway, right. I feel like not enough people have a microplane zester. I think that's another, a, a gr- if you are listening to this and you do not own one, it's going to cost you somewhere between 11 and $14 and it is going to be worth that investment. And I find I use a ton of citrus in my recipes, maybe too much sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I, anytime I'm using juice, like lemon juice or lime juice, I'm going to use the zest too, because the zest is such a great way to amplify flavor. And it's a great way to garnish too. I just, I love it. Yes. So that's a, that's a really, that's a really great tip. How about Thanks. systems? Let's talk about, cause you have really little kids, um, one and three years old. And I mean, that's, it's t- 
tough. It's tough to cook for, <laughs> for young kids. Um, but what, are there any systems that work really well for you in your kitchen? Like, do you guys eat dinner at the same time every night? Or are you, is there one night that you're like, we definitely have dinner on this night and we make it work other nights. What, how does that look like in your home? Yeah. So we, for the record, we do eat about the same time that people with young children typically eat, which is like five or five 30. Yeah. Um, but it works really well for us. It's a nice way to, to kind of break up our evening. I feel like that from five to seven is a hard time of day where you obviously, we love our children, but it's like bedtime, at least for me, I'm like bedtime can't come soon enough. So it's, it's nice for us to have that set time where it's like, okay, here's dinner time. And it's enjoyable. It's not it's not unicorns and rainbows. It's hard, but it's the act of doing it. Like we've talked about. It's mm-hmm. nice to have that routine. Um, things to make dinner time easier though. I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me, and we talked a little bit about this earlier is anytime you can double a recipe, yeah. double it and throw the rest in the freezer. So obviously this doesn't apply to everything. There's certain things you've sure. just got to prepare ahead of time. But like, if you are making a soup, make yep. two make totally. two. It's hard, especially too. like sometimes the only difference, like a lot of these ingredients are so easy to double. The only difference is maybe buying like a, an extra, like pound or two of the protein you're using or sure. an extra can of corn or whatever it is. So, um, anytime you can double things like soups, sauces, you know, we're going to make enchiladas on Monday. It would be so easy yeah. for me to just double that. Mm-hmm. Salsa. Um, so that's when I feel like people forget about because how nice is it when you pull that out and you just like let it thaw? It's like I'm so smart. I'm, I'm so, so smart. Totally I'm so smart. Like, it's like your ago. current self is your is you're making the double batch of the pulled pork or the you know whatever it may be. Is your future self is going to thank your current self because it is just such it's such a relief. I've got a. I'm a crazy person that has bins in my freezer and in my fridge, (laughs) but in my freezer, I have a bin that says quick dinners. And what it is, is it's just stuff that I've done just that. So if it's like a, you know, it's a Tuesday morning and I haven't had a chance to meal plan or grocery shop and I don't want to do a drive-through dinner or whatever it may be, I will go there and be like, okay, something's coming out of here. It's going in the fridge for the day to thaw and we will make it work. And that really is like, there are very few feelings as a mother that beat that feeling of like, I am so on top of life. I just killed this. Yes, I just think there is something so empowering about cooking with what you have left in your fridge. And I I love that you talked about your fridge emptying. I actually was just talking to my mom about this a month or two ago. Like, is there no better feeling than just like using up everything you have? That produce drawer is empty and it's like, oh, there's no slimy cilantro or parsley that I'm tossing out. Yes. It's like a game. Yes. It's, I, um, I am someone who actually has been on chopped a couple of times and I'll tell you, (laughs) it is not I didn't think it was fun, but I did it. I did it. I did it three times. And Mm -hmm. there will be times when I am, you know, it's Wednesday and I pull open my refrigerator doors and I think, okay, if this is chopped, what am I going to pull together? How am I going to do this? And I much prefer at home chopped to um, (laughs) chopped. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't. But the more you, the more you use that muscle and develop that skill, the more exciting cooking becomes and the more of a creative outlet cooking it becomes. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but 
I do think that it starts with this idea of a really being intentional about first committing to having dinner with your family. And second, if you can develop some form of meal planning practice where it's like on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, think about what we're going to have for the week. And you open up that fridge and you say, what do I, what do I have that I can use? It's such a valuable tool. Um, as a, as a, someone who's cooking for people in your family, people that you care about that, that is worth developing. Totally. And kind of just the, my last little thought that ties perfectly into that is just, I, I don't have a set day of the week. I kind of more so just meal prep when my ingredients are running low, Yeah. but I think meal prepping is easier when you're really excited to cook. Yes. What, whatever it is. And so I, I'm a little bit of a crazy person with meal prep because I'm like diving through cookbooks that I love. You know, I already have all these recipes folded over. I'm sure a lot of your readers are obsessed with reading cookbooks too, but I already have like recipes I want to try. I have a little favorited um, section in Instagram where like, if I want to test a recipe, I save them or, you know, like I used to get magazines sent to my house. So I would go through those. So I think, you know, make meal prep a fun thing and you Yes, that probably overcomplicates it a little. Maybe you don't need to delve into four different resources, but maybe you have a new cookbook and you're like, I'm going to pick like one or two recipes from this book that I want to make or whatever it is, but find something that once Wednesday night hits and you look in the fridge and you pull out those chicken thighs and the veggies that you bought and the orzo or whatever it is that you're like, I'm actually excited and not just Oh, I just pulled up this recipe because someone told me it, you know, or I'm making the same thing that I make all of the time. And I'm so glad you mentioned that, Brooke, because that exact thing, what you're talking about is the whole reason that I created Recipe Club, because I wanted to provide just a handful of recipes every month, not too overwhelming, that someone could get excited about cooking. And because the club members vote on the recipes, I feel like I'd have an idea of what people want. And then it becomes kind of like this special occasion thing where it's like, oh, what recipe club recipe should I make this week? So in my mind, it makes sense because I have been that way before where I I really, I want to feel motivated and excited and passionate about something. And in fact, I kind of designated Sunday as my have fun cooking day because I know my husband will always be home and I usually have a little bit more time to cook. So if I am trying a new recipe or pulling a recipe from a magazine or a book or a favorite Instagram account, it usually happens on Sundays and it does really make the process so much better. And we're so excited to have Brooke as a guest contributor this month. And Brooke, you shared a 30 minute meatball recipe that looks to die for. I'm so, so excited to make it. In fact, it's on, it's my, on my schedule to make this next Sunday. Oh, well, Kelsey, I'm honored. Oh, I'm so excited. No, I think you guys are going to love it. It's Honestly, it's everything you want in an easy weeknight recipe. It has flavor. It's simple. It's got meat, you know, in there. So it's going to fill you up and it's versatile. There's, you know, the recipe is just for the meatballs and the sauce. So that really all you have to do is just throw in something else, grab a loaf of sourdough at the store or make some rice or make some potatoes. It's, it's versatile and there's a lot of flavor in there. And I'm, I know you're all about this too, but I'm always a fan of like bang for your buck 
you know, yeah. when it comes to flavor where you're not doing these super crazy things. And I, I'll, I'll make those recipes now and then, but sure. like on a weeknight, that's not my thing. No way. Right. Well, and I can tell you right now, my son and my husband are going to want the meatballs on a sub roll. So they're going to want a meatball <laughs> sub sandwich and my girls are going to want it with pasta and meatballs also freeze. Awesome. You guys, this is one of those recipes you should double up, make a double, double batch it. of the meatballs. You thank yourself later. So thank you so much for contributing the recipe and thanks so much for chatting with us today, Brooke. Oh, you're so welcome. It was such a treat to be here. Anytime you want to chat food, I'm, I'm here. Awesome. And I want you guys to make sure you check out both her Instagram account, Female Foodie, and her website, femalefoodie.com. And she also has a fabulous app that you should check out, especially if you are someone who is interested in doing a little bit of research before you dine out. She's got amazing restaurant guides and reviews on there. Um, Just an amazing talent all around. And we are so lucky to have had you. All right. Thanks, Brooke. Thank you so much, Kelsey. That's it for our episode today. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Brooke just a bit better and that as we chatted about everything from her restaurant guides to her very own kitchen, you were able to pick up just a few tidbits that might help you out this week. You're not going to want to miss her incredible 30-minute meatball recipe that she's sharing with us in Recipe Club this month, so be sure to check that out. Remember that new episodes will drop every Thursday and that in the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram, join Recipe Club, or sign up for Family Meal Makeover. It would mean so very much to me if you took just a few minutes to rate and review the podcast so that others who are stuck trying to decide what to make for dinner can find it. Have a great week and we'll talk soon, everyone.